It's terrifying. Did you want that when you were a kid? Was that on your list? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, well, Ralphie's greatest hope in this movie, his greatest hope was that BB gun, that Red Rider BB gun, to get that. And that was his hope. Of course, everyone around him said what? Yeah, and he just about does, if you remember the end of the movie. We're focusing on hope today. And this idea of hope, and it's funny and silly to laugh at this, this thought of this little kid and his great hope on Christmas Day. And maybe your child has a hope of something this Christmas. They've already given you the list, and, and you know that it's just building anticipation. But we're going to focus on the idea of what do you hope for in life? Like, what is this overall hope you have? Here's a question for you. It's in your notes if you want to follow along. What was your greatest hope growing up? Like, did you have a great hope? Not just at Christmas time, not just on your Christmas list, but what was your greatest hope in life growing up? What does it look like? Here's the question. Is it the same today? Is that hope the same? Uh, or did that hope not materialize and you moved on? Did you uh, accomplish that, if you want to call it that? What does it look like today? So here's actually a list uh, from a study of top greatest hopes people have. So ask, what are your great hopes in life? Here's three of the top great hopes in life. And let's see if they match up for you. Here's the first, to find love, right? To find love. Did you have that hope? Do you still have that hope? To find love. Now, I don't know exactly what the respondents were referring to when they said yes to this one. It could have been to find the love of their life, their soulmate, that type of thing. Or maybe it was just to be loved, to find love in general in life. But it would make sense for us. If we were to look at all the great hopes, the things that we would hope for, love would be on that list. Here's the second thing that shows up, to make a living, right? Amen? You know, we got to have a living, right? You hope to have a career, to, uh, to have a job, maybe some advancement. You'd like to get a paycheck probably, right, to be able to have housing, some food on the table. If you start a family, you'd like to be able to do a few things. So to make a living shows up on this list. That would make sense to us. In fact, most of us use the predominant amount of our energy in life on this second one to make a living. But here's one that shows up as number three. I don't know if you would think this to show up or not. To be at peace with God or to gain eternal life. That's an interesting one that shows up there. Um, I actually, when I read that, I looked back to see when was this survey done? When was the study done? Here's why. Do you know that in 1972... The number one thing when people took all of their Christmas decorations out of the attic or out of the storage, did you do that this weekend? Any of you pulled your stuff out of a month ago? So, yeah, yeah, somebody out there. Right, you pulled it all out and you started to decorate this weekend. In 1972, the number one thing that people put up first, the thing they, when they opened all their Christmas stuff from storage, I went out to the garage and into the upper closet, and we pulled down the stuff. What's the number one thing that set up in 1972? You want, want me to give you a guess? Are you guess? Yeah, nativity. The nativity was the first thing that was set up. Today, want to know what the answer is? It's a Christmas tree. It's no longer the nativity. So this, this actually was interesting that this would show up. It's still a great hope in people's lives. As much as you think, hey, we're moving on from Christianity, kind of a more secular society in the U.S., there is still this hope that I'll be at peace with God or that I would find eternal life, which would lead us to the question, how can I have the hope of eternal life? Like, what would that really look like to be at peace with God, to have hope in that? 
Well, here's a first question in that. It's in your notes. How good do I have to be? Well, that's the common question people might ask. How good do I need to be to get over this threshold so that I can be at peace with God? I all recognize maybe I was a snotty little kid, right? And I've got to make up for that and do some good stuff in this life to eventually get over this, this whatever bar is set so I can now say I have done enough good things. Or maybe I do it this way. I think of that person who is rotten or a criminal or who is in prison, and I say, I have done more good things than them, and I've created my own measuring rod, right, of who hasn't done good enough, and I have done good enough. Rarely do we flip it the other way and we go like, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, you know, we, we, we don't, but we do look and we create our own scale. How, do, how good do I have to be? I may not have to convince you of this, but just let me say it anyway. This is not a biblical understanding of access to eternal life or peace with God at all. Like, there's no scale we find in the Bible. There's not a book where if you flip the page and read that chapter, it says, now I will go through the scale of points towards goodness, all right? It's not in there. But we've been so conditioned, and sometimes even believers in Jesus fall into this little thought of, have I been good enough? Our movies, our TV shows, our books we read, conversations you might get into the side. The, the most dominant understanding is this idea of how good have you been? But it's really not the focus of eternal life or peace with God from a biblical perspective. Another question that surfaces, it's similar, is what must I do? Like, on this journey of life, is there something I need to do or accomplish or overcome that now I can be at peace with God? This is a storyline that shows up in so many of our movies. If you would just go on this journey, there's some like spiritual awakening that happens eventually. And I did that thing or I accomplished that thing or overcame it or I found that thing or whatever. Very popular storyline. And then this question that I hear even Christians ask Quite often, how can I know for sure? Can I know for sure that I'm at peace with God? Or can I know for sure that I have eternal life or I'll have eternity with God? How can I know for sure? So all these questions are significant to ask. And when people ask it, they are asking this third great hope in life. Can I be at peace with God? Have eternal life. So let's just kind of look through this because what we're talking about today is finding our hope in Jesus Christ. So we want to ask, does Jesus answer these questions? Does he, uh, does he speak into these things that we just asked? Now, back in the Old Testament, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about all the books of the Bible. We talked about these history books. And within the history books of the Old Testament, we have the nation of Israel before they go into exile in Babylon. Babylon wipes them out. Then while they're in exile, and then when they get to return to their home and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. Well, during that pre-exile time, there were prophets that spoke into the people. And if you remember, if you've read any of this, I'll give you a quick survey that doesn't do it great justice. Good king, good things. Bad king, bad thing. Good king, bad king, good. good. It actually went more like this. Good king, bad, 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 bad. Good king, that, that kind of thing. And so we constantly see the prophets needing to speak in and speaking words of conviction, words of you need to turn around, you need to repent, you need to do different. But mixed in there is these great words of hope. And the words of hope are often centered around something God is going to bring them, 
something he's going to give. And then we get to look back and we get to know, oh, he was talking about Jesus. Take a look in your notes. Isaiah 7, verse 14 is one of those. Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign, something to look for. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him what? Emmanuel. God is with us. So this is a great hope they're looking for. Now, they didn't immediately think, hey, one day down the road, this guy's going to be born. He's going to be named Jesus. They started to look around right now like, who's been born? Who's a great leader right now? Is that the person? Concluded, no, it's probably not the person. Then as things surfaced over time and there were leaders that rose up, in their view, they're like, hey, this is probably the person. And then, of course, Jesus comes. And Jesus is born. And we get this prophecy near Jesus' birth. Then Jesus is born, and as he grows up, we get this declaration of John the Baptist. Hey, there he is. That's the guy. That's the one that the prophet spoke of. Jesus inserts himself into this as well. Jesus is saying, I am the hope you have been looking for. Listen, today, can I just tell you, Jesus is the hope you've been looking for. And just like in in the times when Jesus said these words, the people didn't automatically get it. They didn't automatically go, oh, great, wonderful, and just buy in fully. Many did. But some just sat back and studied and watched and said, we'll make a decision later. Some just outright said, no, that's not it. I'm going to go my own way. And the same options are available for us today. In fact, many of you probably are choosing one of those options today. I want to find my hope in Jesus. I want to sit back and just keep checking it out and see, or not interested. I'll go my own way. But Jesus is coming and saying, I am the hope you've been looking for. And I want to declare that to you today. So what does hope in Jesus get us? Like, what does it get us if we were to say, I want to put my hope in Jesus? Because if we're not careful in the Christian world sometimes, and if you're not a Christian this morning, I I want to make sure you know that. In the Christian world, sometimes we cliche this one right? We, make, we turn this into a, a quick cliche where we just say, I found my hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And it's just a line we say, and then we move on with life. What in reality do we get when we put our hope in Jesus? What does it look like? Word of caution for you. As I walk through this, some of you have been grounded in this thinking that putting my hope in Jesus or salvation is a one and done type of thing. I said a prayer one time, Boom, I moved on with life, right? I was at youth camp. It was awesome. I was at a service one time. It was great. Uh, You know, I ran into some trouble in my life, and part of the restoration process, I said yes to Jesus, whatever. And it was a one and done, and then I moved on with my life. Here's the problem. If I believe it was kind of a one and done, hey, I got hope that day. I became a new creation that day. Everything happened that one day with the one prayer. The farther I move away from that one and done experience, the easier it is for me to start looking for hope in other things, trying to seek and find it in other things. Instead, here's the model. Jesus says, I want you to have this moment where you declare, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus from now on. That's the way I want to go. And then... We go with Jesus, and now we're walking with Jesus forward as if it's that day, and it's just continued on day after day after day in our life where we're seeking him and we're with him. So what is hope like that in Jesus and walking with Jesus and being a follower of Jesus like that? What does it offer us? Here's the first thing, forgiveness. 
It offers you and I forgiveness. You see, if it's a one and done mentality and I'm back here, I just simply say, well, I was forgiven back there. You know, done, forgiven for everything all, all the way forward the rest of my life. And I just keep walking, and the farther I get away from that, the more I'm like, what, what's, I'm not interested. What's the purpose of forgiveness? I'm not going to be grounded in forgiveness anymore. I just keep walking forward because we're basing our Christianity on a one-and-done prayer that we might have said. But in reality, it's this ongoing relationship. And I don't know about you, but what I found in relationships, I blow it sometimes in relationships. Do you? Do you have to ever turn to any, somebody in relationships and say, man, I'm sorry, I was out of line? Um, I got kids. Do our kids ever blow it in relationship? I don't know, maybe not yours, but, uh, you know, we've had these times. And every time my kids have realized it, and they've come back and said, you know, Dad or Mom, I'm sorry, I was wrong here, every single time. You know what I've done in relationship with them? I've forgiven them. Saying, like, look, you're forgiven. In our house, we have a rule. We don't say, that's okay. You know how that's kind of our knee-jerk to say, that's okay, because it wasn't okay. But we say, you're forgiven. Because we want to declare what we're actually doing. We are forgiving you. And you know who models that for us? God himself models. And in Jesus, we are offered forgiveness. Why? Because if I have a once and done where I just say a prayer one time and I'm good to go the rest of my life, who cares about forgiveness? But if I want to walk in a daily relationship, growing in God and being a follower of God through Jesus, there are so many times where I got to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. I know your ways. And yesterday I said, forget your ways. I'm going to do my way today. And how'd that work out? Lord, forgive me for that. And every time, you know what he's done? You're forgiven, Tom. You're forgiven. He's never said, that's okay. It's okay. He's saying, you're forgiven. Now let's move forward. Listen, parents, have you ever gotten in the car after your kids have done something and that, uh, like, reconciliation has not happened yet, forgiveness has not been asked, and they get in the car and just continue on with life like everything's fine and nothing happened, right? How'd that go for you? Yeah, I'll tell you how it went for me. Like, like I can't just move forward in relationship with, like that. The relationship can't be the same as it could be, right? Now, I could go back and just say, look, we went to the hospital one day, and, you know, your mom had you. And I, I guess everything's good from here on out. But no, I want to live in a good relationship with them. So I teach them how to seek forgiveness. And they do. And now we're ready to go. Now I can, we put the radio on. Now I can, you know, I don't know what I just did. So now, now it's different. And God does that for us. Because we don't want to live in one and done. We want to walk with him daily in a relationship. Listen, if you've never lived that way as a Christian, a daily relationship of forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for this. Lord, I confess this. I own this, Lord. You're not experiencing the depth of relationship God has to offer in that. And so we get that in Jesus. If you've never said yes to Jesus to follow, if it's up till now, it's been like, hey, whatever feels good to me, I go that, that way. You can actually go to God today and say, Lord, Lord, forgive me for just rejecting you or not even being cognizant and I want to receive what you have to offer. Which leads us to the second thing that he, oh, let me give the verse. I skipped over the best part. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, but if we confess our sins, what is he? He's faithful and he's just and true to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. Like he'll 
forgive, he'll erase it. And he'll actually say, hey, now let me help you where that doesn't become a problem in the future. Have you ever wanted to say to somebody who's asked for forgiveness for the same thing from you? Like, listen, you're forgiven. You'll always be forgiven. Could we get to the point where you don't have to keep asking for forgiveness? <laughs> you ever have someone like that? Maybe you've been that person and somebody said it to you. Okay? God says, look, I'll always forgive you. Let me help you now. Let me help you as you move forward to be something different. Here's the second thing we get when we have our hope in Christ. We get life. We get life. We love these little Bible passages, or I've been made new in Jesus. You know, the old is gone and the new has come. We love those verses, don't we? But if I interpret those in a one and done, that means this. I said a prayer one time, and everything changed just like that. I'm brand new entirely. In reality, has anybody experienced it just like that in your Christian wife? You've been saved. You've been made new. God looks at you as redeemed. But walking forward, he wants to walk with us and slowly transform us and speak into our lives and help us where we let go of some old habits. We pick up new habits. We let go of selfishness, and we pick up care for other people, all these type of things. And you know what he calls that? Life. Life. Because what Jesus says, and maybe you could say he's got the audacity to say, and I think he backs it up. He says, if you follow my way, how I'm teaching you to live, you'll actually experience better life than you would have on your own. Forgive people, you'll experience better life. Pray for those who persecute you, who are jerks to you, you'll experience better life. Care for people instead of just caring for yourself, you'll experience better life. Like he actually believes that there's better life when we follow Jesus. And that's the second thing we get from him. And I think sometimes when we live in this one and done and we're just like, I said yes, and then we move forward, we move farther and farther away from this voice and this, this, this voice of Jesus saying, just follow me today. Walk with me today. Let me teach you and build in you today. And maybe we're leaning on this and at some point, you know what we say? Just, there's just got to be more to this Christian life than what I'm experiencing. And you know what? You're right. There is. It's walking with Jesus daily, being with him daily, that he gives us life. Here's what the verse says, same, same uh, letter, 1 John. And this is a testimony. Here's what he says. God gave life to us, and this life is in his son. It's in Jesus the one who has the Son has life. Listen, if we're not experiencing life, we don't have the Son. You might have a strong belief system in the Son. You might say, hey, I believe Jesus is the Son of God and He's the only way to salvation. But being and walking in the Son, embedding myself to Jesus and who He is, that is how I find life. The one who doesn't have God's son doesn't have life. This is what is offered to us. Maybe you've been a believer a long time, and what's missing is waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I want to be a follower of you today. Where are we going? What are you speaking to me on? What do you have me do? This is a day I'm going to walk forward with you, and life is offered. We often think of life in terms of circumstances, right? Life is good today. My bills are paid, you know, we got some food on the table, life is good, you know. But that's not how Jesus views this thing. Jesus actually said, look, I will offer you life, fulfillment, and joy right in the midst of anything. 
the good times, the bad times, whatever, I'll offer you that and I'll walk with you in that. That is the gift Jesus has to offer. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, this is what he's offering you. This is what he's given you. For years, when I was, uh, before I was a Christian, or, or right about the time I became a Christian, and in a few years after that, the only context I often heard about life was eternal life. Say yes, become a Christian, and you'll get eternal life. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, so don't think I'm refuting it. But I didn't hear about this life Jesus offers for every day I live. But if you want to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you cannot avoid it. In fact, you will see that in there. 95 plus percent of the time it talks about life. It is talking about the life Jesus gives for the days we live out right here. So we get that in Jesus. And then this third thing, we get eternity with God. John continues to write what he just wrote, but this is what he says now. Notice how he adds a word in there. I write these things to you who believe in the name of God's Son so you can know that you have what? eternal life. He speaks something different here. This is the confidence that we have in our relationship with God. We ask him anything in agreement with his will, he listens to us. He adds this word eternal life. Now he's saying, look, this life I just spoke about that you get, you get it even past death. Even though you may physically die, this life endures because you'll have an eternity that you get to live with God. And he says it over and over and over. In fact, this is a thing in our modern-day culture sometimes, in our present culture, where we've kind of twisted some biblical theology and twisted verses around, where sometimes we have this mentality, well, all dogs go to heaven, right? Meaning anybody of any faith in any way, they'll eventually find their way to heaven. But eventually, as Christians, we have to wrestle with the verses where Jesus himself said things like this. The way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And it's the only way to experience the life he gives us here and the life he gives us eternal. In fact, if we believe God's word, that's how we can know we have eternal life. Because when we live in the Son, in Christ, and live for Christ, then we know the life he gives us now is offered and the eternal life comes with it. That's what his word teaches us. Listen, if today, if that's you, if you've never said yes to Jesus and you've never received that forgiveness we're talking about, you've never received life that Jesus has to offer for us here, you're also missing eternal life that he will give you for all, for all the days of eternity past this life. On a side note, can I just talk to believers for a second? This is why I push on you. I guess I'll use that word. And so often to say, invite your friends, speak Jesus to your friends. Because if you have somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus, like we're talking about this morning, they don't have this eternity with God coming along for them as well. Does that bother you? Does that affect you? Is there any sense of urgency in your heart for friends that are far from God because of that? So this is what we get in Jesus. I want to give you now just three quick encouraging verses as it relates to hope. Hope is found in Jesus. Here's the first one. Jesus answers. He says, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, maybe your translation says born again, it, 
it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Now, we, sometimes we say God's kingdom, we just think heaven eternal, but that's not. It's the real presence of God. That's what kingdom means. Unless you're born again, unless you're born anew, unless you're like, hey, I want to restart my life now being a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't see. You can't see the real presence of God and what he has to offer, which means that question we had at the beginning, how would I have peace with God or gain eternal life? It's found when we surrender our life over and say, I want to be born again. I want to be born anew. And I, want, I want to start over. I want to move forward in my life being a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know many of you, most of you in the room are Christians. Most of you online are Christians. And you just heard that line and you thought that's for somebody else. And it is. It's for many people in your life that don't know Jesus. But it may very likely be for you today. Because you might be over here living in the one-and-done theology, right? And you're just tracking forward like, what's it matter? I'm going to heaven eventually. In reality, Jesus is saying, you know what? You probably need to be born anew today. You've probably walked your own way, and you just do it kind of in a Christian context. But today's a day where you can again say, Lord, forgive me. I want to restart this thing called Christianity. I want to restart being a follower of you today and move forward today walking and knowing your kingdom, your real presence. Here's a second encouraging verse. A thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you could have life indeed so you could have life to the fullest. We often think of the thief as, as uh, Satan here or the enemy, but the context, he's actually talking to the religious leaders who are making it so legalistic that he's sucking the life out of anything religious. And Jesus comes along and says, that's not the life I have to offer. I want to offer you life, real life, that does not steal and kill and destroy. You know, there's many things in our life we put our hope in. Maybe you put your hope, I don't know, in your career, your advancement, your salary. Maybe it's in the diet you're on right now, right? Nothing wrong with trying to drop some pounds, get fit, those type of things, right? Whatever it is, eventually, if we camp out with our hope in that area outside of Jesus, that will still kill and destroy to some degree. So when we find our hope in Jesus, we get life. And it says life to the fullest. I love one translation that says more life than I could dream of. And I think you and I can dream pretty big. Here's a third encouraging verse. Look, I stand, I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with them and will have dinner with them and they will have dinner with me. Here's the image I want you to have. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and up to this point, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've grown up with Christian parents coming to church, but you've never made your own commitment to follow Jesus. I want you to picture Jesus is standing at the door, and he is knocking, and he's saying, I want to come in. I want to have a relationship with you. Dying with you would, would have this type of, of, of reference here, to have relationship, to know you. I want to picture that. He's knocking, and he said, look, if you would open up the door, and today, if you would become a Christian, become a Jesus follower. But the rest of you that are already Christians, I want you to picture this. Jesus is standing at your door, the door that over time you've kind of closed to him in your life. 
and then he's standing there, and equally he's knocking, and he's saying, if you would, if you would let me in, if you would let me back in, or if you would let me into that area, I will come in and I will offer you something that you just can't have on your own. So here's what I want to do. I want to close this in prayer, and I want to just give you a, a few moments during that prayer, and I want you to picture that knock on the door. However you heard it this morning, however you are interacting with what we talked about, I want you to picture that Jesus is knocking on your door, and I want to just allow you to answer that door in your own way during that time of prayer. So would you bow and pray with me? Father, I thank you. <clears throat> I thank you that you offer us something, that you offer us something that's ongoing and daily. And Lord, I know for some this morning what they need to do is they need to come to you and just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. You'll always do it. You'll always forgive. And you'll always want to help make right in our life as well. For some, they've just lived in the thought of, of, I'll get to heaven one day. They're missing the life you have to offer every day. If they ground themselves in you and your ways, today could be a day of recommitting in that area. And then, Lord, uh, for some, this the idea of heaven eternal, that there is an eternity with you, God, that awaits us. This life continues. And for some, Lord, the motivation might be now, I have friends that don't know that eternity. So now I'll give you time. The Lord is knocking this morning. Would you view, would you visualize it however you want? Jesus is knocking. You answer. This is your time. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ before, if up till now you would say, I don't know that I'd really identify as a Christian, not the way you guys talk here. But you know your heart's ready. You can simply pray a prayer like this to start. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for going my own way up till now. Would you come into my life and be the Lord of my life? I want to be a follower of you. If you pray a simple prayer like that in a heartbeat, you're a child of God. You're on this journey moving forward. Jesus goes with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for new life in you. We pray in your son's name.